The deal is this. <laughs> tell you when I was a kid that read Dropper and Turn Wilson or his wheel. <laughs> tell you when I was a kid that read Dropper and Turn Wilson or his wheel. Wheel, 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 wheel. They unpissed. Wheel, 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 wheel. They unpissed. Okay, by the time we finish this, you're all going to be practicing magicians. I'm Jeremy Greer. And I'm Gary Butterfield. And this is Days of Future Cast, a podcast where Gary and I are in the middle of Grant Morrison's new X-Men run. We are on issue number 140. We're in the Murder at the Mansion arc. Um, to kind of catch everybody up, Emma Frost has been murdered. She, she got she turned into a diamond ford and then a time and form. And then, <laughs> but where was it, Jeremy? <laughs> hmm. At the mansion. <laughs> oh, okay. Now uh, it makes sense. Don't worry, anybody. Everybody, Luigi is here to save the day because this is <laughs> this is actually <laughs> Luigi's Mansion Three: The Murder of Emma Frost, a game that I would play immediately. <laughs> Can we get I, Emma I, Frost I Murder Luigi's DLC man. for Luigi's <laughs> Mansion, please? Mamma mia! <laughs> yeah. It's at a crossover. Uh, Luigi all pissed off because he was expecting gold coins and mushrooms and Xavier hands him like keys to a rolls yeah, oh what Luigi I know I didn't learn how to drive <laughs> what about the fire flower Xavier <laughs> <laughs> only driving a cart um yeah oh Luigi my sweet summer child <laughs> I, <laughs> you little boy I have no interest in Luigi I think Luigi sucks I haven't played that game I just don't think a goo Luigi is a good it's not good enough. Uh, the, Go back to the drawing board. Gooigi is such like a such a like I, don't, I, I it's so obvious that the internet did not pick up on it, right? Like I expected yeah, as soon yeah. as as soon as Gooigi to appear, like I expected there to be memes nonstop once the game came out, and it was such an obvious putt that they just were like, "Nope, we're good." Like the internet's collectively yeah, get, okay with just it being Gooigi and not not worried about it. We're fine. Yeah, exactly. This is not going to be Bowser. No one wants to fuck this. <laughs> What are nobody, you doing? Nobody wants to fuck Gooigi, and that's weird. Internet, where are you guys at? I fully expected like, someone to put their dick in Gooigi, and I haven't seen it. Like, Nintendo, I understand why you assume people would. Yeah. Because every single thing you put out does that. <laughs> but you finally found the, the bridge too far in the form of Gooigi. The, the character designer uh, on Bowsette and the character designer on Gooigi must have great drunken conversations at the bar with like the Gooigi guy just going, I don't know why nobody wants to fuck my guy. I don't know what happened. Just, just like getting drunker and drunker. The Bowsette guy just patting him on the shoulder and just like someday. One day, man, one day it'll happen to you. Like just scrolling through Tumblr pages full of Bowsette porn. Yeah. He just slips him a napkin that just says piranha plant oral. And then... <laughs> It's a little gift for something for you to fire the imagination. Listen, Mr. Gooigi, I'm just saying, like, maybe you should have your character design have eyes if you want people to fuck it. That's all I'm saying. Draw some <laughs> eyes. Don't make it fully out of goo. It's weird to fuck something without eyes. Like, it just doesn't, you know, <laughs> it doesn't work. Get into the soul. Yeah, it doesn't uh, work. iTunes would, would um, get us in trouble for putting, um, it's weird to fuck something without eyes in the, in the episode title, but. <laughs> <laughs> it's always tempting. Very tempting. Um, 
the uh the cover of this one i would love this clock okay uh, yeah this issue like when that with just the x-men she could just be like oh it's rogue o'clock yeah i can see that it's, it's mm-hmm. a nightcrawler past rogue i <laughs> uh know, to, to... i kind of don't like this this cover too much and i don't like it when comics do this in general but like we see gambit and iceman and juggernaut rogue and all of the and mm-hmm. nightcrawler and all of these people that aren't in the book at all yeah it is uh this is Sorry. this is the arc that's oh, okay it's avon knocking autumn's work laptop down he's so mad that uh that page guthrie isn't in this that he's knocking knocking laptop where's something. page G- give me page uh appointment to fema will be finalized within the week the um this is this is the rest of the X-Men universe intruding on new X-Men. Yes. I think is why they do the cover like this. And we do get some new characters that are on loan from the Chris Claremont uh, extreme X-Men uh, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit weird. Like, I like it, but it is weird to just kind of all of a sudden, like, this opening page that we get into has Nightcrawler on it. I'm like, oh, yeah, during all of this stuff, Nightcrawler has been there. <laughs> yeah. Know? He's still alive. Like, He's still around. <laughs> Yeah, like I wonder it's if a, Nightcrawler had an opinion about Genosha, right? What's oh that? yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, or or uh, the the mansion att- like where he lives, where Cassandra Nova attacks. Like he was off doing some you know some Chuck Austin bullshit mm-hmm. at the time, probably. But just the idea that like uh, you know every epi- every issue of New X Men ending with and Nightcrawler was there too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Like if every issue of uh the new x-men great boris had run like if, if it's just like a where's waldo thing where you just have to go find the nightcrawler inside each issue mm-hmm. and, and then you get a note prize at the end when you send it to marvel Amazing. so oh. good stuff uh so this starts off these these issues are from uh this issue and the next one are from the perspective of bishop yes um who's investigating uh we, we start off with him driving his range rover into the xavier institute uh, and he's recording uh, with Sage, who is a character uh, with the Hellfire Club, has a history with Emma Frost, a Chris Claremont creation uh, who went away for a long time and then came back, brought her into Extreme X-Men, who has incredibly nebulous powers. Yes. Um, computer she's brain. she's recording. Is how the, she the has issue, a computer brain. The issue describes yeah. it. Computer brain. Like, do you really, really yeah. like Firefox? My guy? What are you doing? Yeah, what is- <laughs> she's too online. <laughs> she, is, she won't log off, off Twitter. Log off. I physically can't, Bishop. Um, yeah. yeah like- I do like, you mentioned the Range Rover, and like, Bishop is a time-displaced mutant that has all of this, like, kind of grandeur and drama behind him, and he's just driving, like, a fucking Range Rover dog. Like, this looks yeah. like a, a Jeep Cherokee. Not even a Jeep Grand Cherokee. You know what I'm saying? Just a basic S <laughs> Cherokee. Like, I don't want to be greedy. <laughs> Bishop knows his place. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so they show up and he, he basically says, uh, we're under curfew. Uh, summer vacation is canceled. He's investigating. Everyone is a suspect. And we get the splash page of all of our characters plus Nightcrawler. Uh, now angels in the back. But it, it's mostly just uh, the, the people we've seen. It's so weird that Nightcrawler is just there for like this one particular thing. Uh-huh. And then that's it. It's, it's the one Nightcrawler panel in the new X-Men series as, as far as I know. Uh, Nightcrawler's, so like, <laughs> Nightcrawler's face is just as shocked as me and you at him being here. He's like, wait a minute. <laughs> like, what comic am I in? <laughs> Voss is happening. Octaviva. <laughs> um, so we start out uh, with Bishop interviewing Beast, um, and Beast yeah. is standing over the body, which is just a little bit of fabric and a bunch of crushed up diamonds, and um, that's it. And uh, yep. like Bishop immediately starts insisting that she's not really dead, that with a mind or like Beast hers. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry? Not Bishop. 
Uh, you, you said Bishop insists. Oh, my beast. bad. Yeah. Uh, it's okay. Beast insists that um, I'd like hers wouldn't be so easily killed. Like he's held, getting held together. And like Sage is like, nah, man, she's dead and good yeah. riddance. <laughs> Nobody liked this chick. Yep. <clears throat> yep. And Beast is like, well, you know, I did. Like, you know, and this is kind of this, you know, minor subplot of this thing of them being friends. Yeah. You know, she, she is cultured the same way Beast is. They had a similar sense of humor, you know. Uh, and he thinks he can just kind of put her back together. He has all these pieces, um, you know, when he's comparing it to a jigsaw puzzle, um, they're basically saying this is a, a you know, impossible, but he's still going to do it. Um, Beast then says, you know, so I'm the least likely suspect. So I'm probably the most likely while well, I was at this opera, uh, Ophiro with the girls or Ophio. Um, and, uh, they, they leave him alone. There's going to be a little bit of intrigue with this a little bit later, but he keeps saying he was at the opera. Yeah, with the uh, cuckoos. This uh, these episodes are really unreliable narratory. Yes, um, you know us having Bishop as the outside perspective. There are tons of red herrings in these issues. Like I can imagine somebody not liking these because they are different than the rest of the uh, the tone of the 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 run. Um, there's a lot of weird red herrings in this. Yeah, um, the play they- into the big twist of the arc, but like if you don't know that's coming, it just comes off as a little weird. And they, I, I, I dig it because it's basically like a serial detective story of, you know, every mm-hmm. character you meet as a suspect, regardless of how innocent they seem. And of course we know the X-Men real well. We've been reading them for however many issues now, but to, you know, Bishop coming in, he knows these, these people, but he doesn't know what the current like state of affairs with all of these people are. So trying to figure that out is, and do like a detective story on it. And I world huge fan of detective yeah. stories. So like, I'll, I will get into that sometime. And yeah, I think this works yeah. for me. This works a lot. Um, me too. Bishop goes to talk to Xavier and basically says like, Hey, uh, like nobody liked this person. And also the way that Emma treated me and Sage last time was super shitty. So it's difficult to come back here. And who's to say that well, you the, are the way you treat us too. Yeah. Like they, uh, you know, when extreme X-Men started, it was a little bit of a schism. I think if I remember, I read like the first 20 issues, of that horrible comic. <laughs> and if I remember it started with like a disagreement between storm and, uh, Xavier gotcha uh, and Bishop and Sage went off with Storm's group so there was like a little bit of a fight I think that's what he's referring to um, um, and Bishop asked the the kind of obvious question of like hey you're you've been possessed before like in a world of mind readers shape changers and disembodied consciousness crime takes on a whole new meaning like who's to say that you're not possessed mm-hmm. right now uh, and what do we do about that and I yep. like Xavier's response because he's, he's like, you know, I, I've had to give some serious thought to this. Uh, my teaching methods seem to have failed in so many ways. And that just having that reaction coming off, because we just came directly off the riot. Scott has disappeared mm-hmm. in this issue. We don't know where he is. And now one of his teachers is dead, presumably at the hands of somebody on site. Like, is yeah. that's terrifying. And Xavier should, like, that should cause Xavier to reconsider, like, everything he's doing. Well, he, he had said like in the last episode or the episode before that, he was stepping down. Yeah. You know, so this is, this is crisis of faith, Xavier, uh, 100%. Um, he says, you know, he tries to make a joke. He's like, this is the real me. Uh, Zorn gave me back my legs. Gene helped my mind, but neither was able to restore my power to dance. And he kind of does a little cha-cha-cha move. And Bishop's like, I see through this monsters don't have a sense of humor, but they can fake it. You know, you're trying to deflect suspicion from me. Bishop is all business. Yeah. You know? Um, and Bishop moves on to, uh, interview Zorn and his pupils, the special class. Um, and you get this, like, again, this is going to play into the twist and stuff, but this little cabal that Zorn has, 
you know, putting Zorn in charge of these students is not going to turn out to be a good idea. No. <laughs> Surprise. Uh, <laughs> this yeah. guy that she rescued from a jailhouse <laughs> that just says that he is innocent is not necessarily the best person to make a teacher. Um, yeah. But it, right yeah, yeah. now, it's, it's all it's all professional because he's like, hey, Bishop, these these are kids. All of them have been exploited yeah. or abused in some way. Like, please, I know, realize you have to do your thing, but you have to be careful with them. And we get this scene of Beak and uh, Basilisk playing Clue and Basilisk insisting that it was Professor Sex in the toilet with the lawnmower. Um, yeah, just more okay. great Basilisk humor. I love it. Yeah. There's no such room as the toilet in Clue. The, uh, okay. I don't know That's if I've told you this before. The only podcast swag I've ever gotten was a company sent me and Chris a bunch of board games that were based on Supernatural. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> I have a board game version. of I have a Clue, a Supernatural version of Clue, like in my shelf somewhere. Hell yeah, in this house. How uh, how horny is it on a scale like one to ten? I, have, I haven't opened it yet because I and I keep meaning oh. to. I keep trying to bust it out, but like it's just it's it's also just Clue. <laughs> no, and, like nobody bites. Yeah, <laughs> you're just like, hey guys, I got a cool game we can play. <laughs> Everybody rolls their eyes at your bullshit. <laughs> like, like everybody's groaning. Like, Ugh. I came home the other day, and the uh, the girl that sits with Autumn's dad while we're not here um, is was watching Supernatural on my TV, and it was just some rerun on TNT. And I just like I stopped and kind of did a weird take, and was like, Mark, please don't say anything. Don't don't say anything about the Supernatural. I don't want this. I don't want this child to know that I have a, a super horny podcast about Supernatural. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, so yeah, they're they're kind of arguing over this clue game, and uh, Sage demands to talk to Angel specifically alone. Mm-hmm. Um, so she, uh, they talk to to Angel, uh, you know, and uh, they're basically saying like, "What was your relationship with uh, with Miss Frost?" You know, uh, at some point, Basilisk is like, "I did it, I did it, yuck, yuck." You know, just joking. <laughs> uh, as we're going to find out later, you know, everyone is a suspect, um, and. Uh, you know, Sage confronts Zorn at this point. Like, where were you when the White Queen died? And he goes meditating, I believe. Incredibly shaky alibi. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, so they're, they're talking to Angel. And basically, she they're just like, I didn't have a relationship with her. She helped me buy a dress. She said, I'm her new project. You know, it was for this award thing. And she's like, yeah, do you remember where you were when she's been shot? Like, you know, we we know that you have this, this uh, award that you got and all these things. What happened? And she's like, I was hanging out with Beaky. And he's Beaky. We call him Beaky. And then we cut away again, very uh, like a TV show. Mm-hmm. Like we cut away to the, you know, he'd obviously have follow up questions at that point, but we don't get to see them. This feels like you know, a, we cut over almost like an Edgar yeah. Wright movie at this point, right? Like where you're just yeah. cutting between yeah. scenes a little bit um, and not getting the full idea of the conversation. Um, and she also we're in a different go ahead. Yeah. or go ahead. Uh, she, I was also gonna, she, she also mentions that she didn't even know Emma got, got shot because she was hanging out with Beaky. Uh, so yeah, she yeah. so she didn't even know that there was a murder at the mansion and she's in the second issue of the art fucking bonkers <laughs> she didn't look down at the title <laughs> yeah come on break the fourth um, wall already guys let's do it <laughs> this is a grant morrison comic or a fucking uh jeff johns comic give me the uh, fourth wall breaking the um so we cut over and we can tell this is a, a montage thing because she he, next they're interviewing the cuckoos uh the four remaining cuckoos and they're not in the special class yeah so we've cut through time and place and stuff like it's very very csi like tv show and mm-hmm. how, how it does things and these are good suspects right you know they got into a fight uh you know they, they talk about um you know the the students are insisting that they should be able to go home for vacation um bishop's like i understand that uh but you guys had some kind of falling out like with with emma frost is that correct 
Um, and there's this great little bit here where, you know, the hostility and, and weirdness and insularness of this new X-Men crew comes across. We're like, Miss Frost taught us to conceal our emotions as a way of keeping one step ahead. It seems only fair to warn you of that, Mr. Bishop, uh, which is a great line. Uh, and then they immediately try to read his mind. They're like, we did get into a fight. There used to be five of us. They, they explain uh, that Sophie died. And uh, here's a little retcon that I don't think is true. Um, as Bishop says, he absorbs psychic energy the same way he absorbs, like, you know, energy bolts. Mm. Uh, which I don't think is, I don't know if that's true in, historically. <laughs> that's fine. Like, whatever. <laughs> like, I'm okay with it. Right. It's just weird that later on in this, when she gets psychically taken out, that I'm like, oh, so I guess not as easily as you absorb yeah, you need, other you need energy? more powerful. Yeah, I think that's the, like, Grant Morrison really, really reaches around for ways to make people immune to mind reading. And he does it when the plot is convenient because he understands you can't have dramatic irony if people can read each other's minds, uh, which is honestly a problem they should have thought of before they started putting telepaths in comics. <laughs> you know, It's not really Grant Morrison's fault. <laughs> yeah, but it is another example of the classic Grant Morrison reach around. So, you know, just another, yeah, 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 exactly. just another one of them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'll take it. You know, got a common um, courtesy. So the psychic, them, them reading him, uh, doesn't work and um they basically say hey we were at we, we were dr mccoy he took us to uh the he took us to the opera to cheer us up our minds were traumatized after losing sophie and then that's the end of this conversation yeah we would never hurt our favorite teacher mm-hmm. yeah. and then uh we get uh, this scene with gene uh with bishop and gene in the garden and uh bishop explaining like hey you you had a, a huge fight and presumably like after this affair with scott and you didn't pull any punches like what happened tell me uh, and instead of telling him, he she reaches over with her super phoenix powers and is like, you should just take a look for yourself. And he's kind of just shocked and blown away by this and just says, my God, as she walks away, like combing the fire out of her hair, which is always yeah, pretty yeah. cool. It's a cool scene. She she says, basically, I do have a really bad temper, but you should know I can only tell the truth. Uh, and Bishop's like, no, I know it wasn't her, you know? Uh, just kind of taking Gene, you know, a two-page subplot of Gene as a good primary suspect. You know, it's um, yeah. it's interesting. This there's been always been something about this scene that's bothered me, and uh, and I just kind of put it together now. But uh, it's the Grant Morrison designs of all of these characters, or the quietly designs for all of these characters, I guess I should say, um, have all been like a little less flashy and a little less like over the top. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, for Jean Grey, like she's just wearing leather pants and like a shirt with an X on it versus, you know, fucking Bishop that has power gloves on and like Sage with a weird <laughs> rose yeah. on her tit or something. Right. Like I, it's, yeah, yeah. it's, it's, it's a, it's a marked difference. Cause I'm so used to seeing these characters without like the flashy superhero outfits on with the multicolored stuff. So seeing Bishop in this has always bugged me and I've never really understood why besides he's got the deep V and I'm, I'm on record for not liking the deep V. So. Oh, DVs are horrible. Never do a deep V. Thank you. Never do a V. Thank you. Never do a V. Uh, (laughs) Much less a deep V. Yeah, we we, we perfected the neck of a shirt. (laughs) You don't have to fuck with it. No turtles, no Vs. Like, (laughs) we we, we have this solved. But I think the reason why they're dressed up like superheroes is because they're from a superhero comic. Exactly, yeah. You know, they they came over from another series, so they're dressed up like idiots because that's Extreme (laughs) X-Men. Exactly, yeah. That's that's the funny part about it. Like, the the whole thing is like, oh, they didn't just change clothes. Like, they didn't change into their cop police outfit like there was no we're just gonna wear our normal power gloves like how do you walk around not (laughs) feel like a fucking idiot with these giant red gloves that go to your fucking middle of your forearm like what the hell i didn't really notice bishop's glove until this part but they are pretty silly (laughs) his (laughs) his two his two pairs of uh uh, finite gauntlets (laughs) he's got going on (laughs) 
gauntlets. They do one thing and it's slightly warm your hands. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I don't need an infinity gauntlet. I need a finite gauntlet. I don't need a grand Cherokee. I just need a Cherokee. I'm a simple man. I'm a simple man. Look, I don't need cold water. I just need water, okay? Yeah, just give me some tap water. These are this, uh, these have the warming gem in them. <laughs> It's also summer. Like all both these people had to smell like absolute shit. Oh yeah. Like it's canonically summer before summer break. Like these people smell like sweat. Mm -hmm. And like if we're lucky, Axe body spray. (laughs) Axe body spray that makes the sound of a harmonica wherever you go. Finally, we we figured it (laughs) out. Just spraying the spray through a harmonica. (laughs) (laughs) Some fucking John Cage shit. Give me three minutes and fifty two seconds of that, Mr. Cage. The most important part is uh, is so, Bishop saying, like, mm-hmm. I don't really, I can't explain what she just showed me, but I know for a fact she didn't do it. Which sounds like you're mm-hmm. fucking with a telepath. Like, if I was Sage, I'd be like, well, then she definitely did it. <laughs> like, what the hell? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> she gave you an unknowable yep. and unexplainable alibi because she's a telepath that's guilty. <laughs> what are you talking Pretty about, Pretty weird Bishop? that Sage just buys it, yeah. you know? Yeah. So we, we cut over to kind of a montage of his uh, evidence log that he's been saying. He's saying, you know... Uh, we get time passing. He spent another day interviewing. Um, you know, there are certain key questions, but no hard suspects. Where's the murder weapon? Who supplied uh, kick? Uh, why Emma Frost? Yeah. And uh, the who supplied kick is superimposed over the special class. Um, the uh, then he says, can, uh, Sage, can you do that thing where you send an email with your mind and arrange for me to talk to the Omega Skulls gang in prison to find the kick dealer? First of all, I did not know they were known as a mega skull. Did we miss that? <laughs> is that a, I, no, I, I don't know if that's just what they, they think, think they're called in, in extreme X-Men or what. <laughs> and also do that thing where you send an email with your mind is really fucking online and weird for a comic from the 2001. Yeah. Like, dude, send an email from your mind is super, super strange. Like in the era of, you imagine? You know, yeah. Does she just Did have Google glasses? Confirmation. Is that? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah it's just fucking wild. Um, I, I like this too because, like, as they as he's talking, we see the students kind of being frustrated because they're being kept here for summer vacation, right? They can't leave. Yeah, uh, yeah. And specifically, it's obvious in the middle panel that Zorn and Angel are having some sort of argument with her pointing off to the side, which I think is yeah. just a, just a little bit of drop of foreshadowing for you for the thing that's yeah, going yeah. to happen a little bit later. Um, yep, yep, love it. So Bishop is off to prison to interview one of the Omega Skulls. Yeah, yeah. I, I like the idea of everything that gets introduced to the extreme X-Men. They're like, no, no, that's not extreme enough. You're the Omega <laughs> yeah. Mutants. Now you're the Omega yeah. Skulls. Add a, add a little skull to that uh, there. And if for fans of the uh, the Omega Gang member Redneck, you thought you'd seen the last of Redneck. Oh, oh. boy, oh boy. He's in jail and we get to talk to him. Uh, so, so he's walking the halls. Everyone's calling him a mutant scumbag cop. You know, again, very police procedural uh, here. And uh, he gets there and he talks to uh, Redneck through a window here. And Redneck's having a rough time. Uh, he, he's like, hey, am I getting out of here? Like, he thinks he's going to get, he's basically being rescued. You know, he's like, the people in here really hate mutants. You know, I have to get out of here before I get hurt. Bishop is doing the uh, the hard-ass cop thing. Like, hey, you know, you ran with this gang. You guys were on this drug. I need the name of your dealer. Uh, who's dipping this poison into the school? If you help me with that, maybe I can help you. You know, he's basically playing good cop mm-hmm. uh, here. And th- there's very, like, this was the time when everyone remembered Bishop was a cop. Because this is around when District X came out. We talked about that. Mm-hmm. Um, for a long time, Bishop was just a guy in, like, weird blue pants with huge thighs. Yep. 
You know, like we, we didn't have cop bishop for quite a while. And remembering the bishop as a cop, you know, is a good direction for the character, I think. I do too. Yeah, I, I, like, I like bishop as a cop works for me really, really well, especially because his power kind of lends itself to being not necessarily immune, but at least protected against a lot of the yeah, stuff redirects. that random mutants can, can do to somebody. Um, yeah, if you throw beams... <laughs> you know he's a hard counter to that so, oh you a beam thrower beams throw beams. oh i'm a beam thrower yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a beam catcher so <laughs> i'm glad we met on this craigslist uh, <laughs> oh man um i uh, also while we're here like redneck here begging for his life if you remember at the end of the riot at xavier's arc wolverine told uh I think it was Redneck, Tattoo, and the other guy whose name I've already Radian. <laughs> His you. name is Radian, Jeremy. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> He's a person and he exists. He had a broken leg, maybe. I don't know. Um, and, a, and a power, I think. I don't remember. Something with a light, maybe. He blinded people. Yeah, there you go. Sure. All right. Jeremy? Yeah. His name is Radian. Why didn't they call Radian. him a floodlight for twenty nine ninety nine at Lowe's? That would have been more interesting. <laughs> speak to my speak to my to my interest. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Wolverine told these people they were going to go serve time in human jail and then go to a third world country. Does this seem a little extreme punishment for a high school it, student? You know, <laughs> it does seem like something that the extreme X Men might do, not not the regular X Men. <laughs> yeah, I'm just a shitty boyfriend. I don't necessarily deserve to get burned in a pyre. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, like, it is. It is. It is some uh, some classic, especially since uh they were also saying quentin choir has a mind that can make people do things exactly uh, yeah. and, he, th- and they said that like he made us and then they're like well i'm making you <laughs> fuck off so it is pretty nasty that they don't get off get, get out of here so um he he eventually explains redneck eventually explains that uh they were getting all of their kick from quentin choir so uh, yep. he would go into the woods he'd come back with baggies full of inhalers and they would pay him like five dollars uh redneck says like i've never done any more any drugs in my life but this was so cheap and it made me feel like the incredible hulk and uh yep. bishop who has been listening to all of this just says sage did you get all of that and we go over to sage who was in the woods outside xavier's kind of looking around and finding some inhalers yeah yep yep um i love this like weird turn this takes into like true detective horror story yep as she's creeping around these like spooky woods behind mm-hmm. the mansion um so she finds the kick inhalers we cut over to beast uh he's putting back together emma um you know cataloging the parts uh and then when beak comes in and beak admits he says i was the one selling uh the kick drug i killed miss frost um we cut back over so we're going back and forth now between beast and sage yeah uh sage is in the in the horror movie like she's in resident evil 7 here like there are signs of recent activity there's broken glass disturbed branches uh beak is admitting his crime and he says he did it for the babies because no one must know as sage walks in and sees these like sacks hanging in the uh in the cabin from this angle from behind the sacks it's super spooky and good she looks up and sees the ceiling of this sack covered with egg uh, or shack covered with like alien egg sacks. Mm-hmm. Super cool. And uh, um, as she sees this, she says, and I'm not alone. And out, off panel, someone holds a gun to her head. Um, pretty clearly like a pretty tall person, which is going to be played, which is going to be a, a, of great importance in the next issue. Uh, mm-hmm. And says, no, I think this is what you were looking for and aims a gun at her. And that's yep. our last page. We still don't know who killed Emma Frost. Luigi, you're failing us. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> yep. Luigi did not get to the bottom of it, unfortunately. Uh, put Gooigi on the case. Um, the, uh, and by the case, I mean this lap. 
<laughs> oh. I've taken a big turn, and now I think it's hot. <laughs> now it's time for Horny Gary to be on the podcast. <laughs> yep. I've woken up. I've been playing a role for the last eight years where I pretended to be repulsed by uh, <laughs> sex and media. And in fact, I would like to have sex with one Mr. James Guigi. Um, uh, nice. Yeah. What, but um, so this is a good middle chapter for uh for this arc i think um and i'd oh, yeah. I, again you mentioned at the beginning i can see why people wouldn't dig this if they don't dig police procedurals or detective stories or things like that like it's very much my wheelhouse to like all of this stuff so i'm i'm, I'm super into it like i could do more of this if they wanted to and it, you know that's what mutant district x is like it's a book of those yeah, kind yeah. of stories and that's the reason i like it so much so we'll definitely have to cover that like as we keep the show going for a oh, while yeah. like I, I definitely i would like to reread it, it yeah it's uh it's also this is you had to kind of vibe i think with grant morrison's weird metatextual uh kind of bullshittery like doing this outsider perspective this late in the run you know and having these really uh really really unreliable narrators and all of these red herrings and all this detective stuff just kind of plopped in the middle of this before what is really like an action arc of the comic um is Grant Morrison kind of talking about or addressing the relationship between these X-Men and the regular X-Men, like taking yeah. a moment to be a little self-reflective and realize like, no, the other X-Men would notice how weird this is and would not necessarily be okay with it. Yeah. He's not going to make that a major part of his run, but he's going to, he's going to do this little nod to it, but he's going to do it in this weird, uh, you know, kind of, kind of clever, clever way that addresses the differences in the medium, like having them dress in their, their costumes and seem so out of place and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to kind of vibe with that. And I understand people who don't, you know, who generally appreciate like straighter putts uh, than that. And I have no problem with that. Like, you know, I named Jeff Johns earlier, who is like, I've only read a couple comics of his. And I did not like them very much, but they're extremely just like, what if a superhero? And I think, I think people dig them because of that. And mm-hmm. I understand that kind of thing. Um, I like this, this kind of uh, goofy shit a little bit more. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. Um, and hopefully you reader and listener do as mm-hmm. well. Um, if you've enjoyed yeah. this podcast, the best way to show your support and enjoyment is by going to patreon.com slash tuck TV, uh, kick us a couple of bucks per month and you can get access to all kinds of exclusive content. You can join the Slack. We have a channel for this podcast where a bunch of X-Men slash Marvel stuff just kind of naturally finds its home. Gary, are you buying the mm-hmm. $200? Marvel's Avengers ah. United Collector's Edition from mm-hmm. fucking Square Enix, I think, is who's making that game. Uh, nope. No? But I, I am interested in that game. Like, it, it, like the reviews and stuff, the early stuff is all pretty negative, but I'm hoping that, the, you know, they, they did some course correcting and, like, I just have, I'm in the pocket. Oh, me so, too. Like, it's I'm, a day one game yeah. for me regardless, but uh, yeah, yeah. they did the a trailer for it and it showed off a bunch of the Miss Marvel power stuff. Um, yeah and it looks good like it looks cool in a way but i can't get over just how bad the characters look overall and like every time i see because they're doing all these costumes like exclusive costumes if you pre-order or whatever like every single costume i've seen so far just looks terrible there's one with iron man where he's just like kind of a shitty brushed gold kind of thing and i'm like did you cool did like somebody <laughs> did you get did you hire like a senior ring company to design an iron man outfit is that what this is <laughs> iron man from justin's Go that's what it Justin's. Was. i couldn't remember Justin's. <laughs> oh man just so bad um but yeah we have a channel for that we have a channel for tons of tons of other stuff so check all that stuff out ratings and reviews help quite a bit uh, as well as just straight up telling your friends about the podcast um we'll be back in, in a few days with more murder at the mansion <laughs>